Welcome to another episode of Talking Kotlin. I am your co-host, Hadi, with my other co-host. Yeah, Seb, that's me. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you again, or hear you, or whatever. Well, I can see you, Seb. Can you see me? I, I could see you if I wasn't looking straight into the camera. Oh, I'm looking straight at the camera. Here's looking at you. Hmm? Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, how are you doing, Seb? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the weather is nice. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good time. If, if I wasn't recording this, I'd probably be working from the balcony. So, yeah, no, things are great. How's everything with you? It's that one week in Germany where you have nice weather, right? Yeah, it's it, but but right now it's ideal, right? I would I would call it beer garden weather because it's it's a little bit above room temperature. There's a couple of clouds, so you know you don't have the direct sunlight. Uh, very comfortable and just give me this intrinsic uh, motivation to go and grab a beer. Yeah, remember the, I, I remember the last time I was in Munich. We went to a beer garden and I ended up ordering some salad. That was it. Wasn't my taste kind of thing it was some salad that had a lot of mayonnaise and chunks of butter in it or something like that that and sounds of, very bavarian yeah it was <laughs> did not like that uh anyway today we are not talking about beer gardens are we no today we are but we are talking about the weather we always talk about the weather we're always talking about anywhere the weather. you go always take the weather we always talk about the weather with you there you go there you go talking <laughs> weather Talking weather, and on the side, we'll do some Kotlin. Who is our guest today? Yeah, so more importantly, we are talking about Kotlin in education today, and we have Xenia Schneeweiss with us today, who's the uh, Kotlin manager for education and university relations at JetBrains. That's uh, one mouthful of a name. Hello, Xenia. Hi. Hello, Seb. Hello, Hadi. It's great to be here. Yeah. Can you pronounce the surname again? I didn't quite get that. Me, Schneeweiss. No, again. (laughs) <laughs> Schneeweiss. That means Snow White in German. So, uh, Xenia, welcome to the show. And uh, how about you uh, give us a, a little bit of an overview at uh, what's kind of happening in the education sphere with, with Kotlin and, and what we're doing in the education sphere with Kotlin in particular? Um, yeah, sure. Thanks for this really nice introduction and translating my last name too. So, um Yeah, I'm a Kotlin manager for education and university relations. I started about a year and a half ago, and uh, my goal is to make Kotlin more popular in academia. So I, um, when I first started, we didn't know how much Kotlin was already adopted in the industry, where to start from, what educational segment to look at, and um, we decided to focus on the universities first. So I looked at um, about 1,500 universities from the Times Higher Education rankings to see which of these universities already teach Kotlin and uh, to connect with the educators to learn about their reasons for why they choose the language. And uh, that's where I found about 100 Kotlin courses taught, connected to the educators, and um, yeah, talked about the reasons why they chose the language. And now I'm trying to spread this knowledge uh, to other educators so that they adopt the language. 800, that's quite a bit. If, no, it, it was 100, 100. Oh, it was 100, sorry. 100, 100. from uh, the 1500 in the rankings. So I, yeah, I, I used the Times Higher Education annual rankings as sort of a database. 
and I manually looked through their websites uh, to search for this cotton cord <laughs> and to find the exact courses. <clears throat> and luckily, a lot of the information is there available. So I could see syllabi, I could see contacts of the educators, and I reached out to them and I met them and asked them why they chose cotton. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Kudos for doing that. Thanks. <clears throat> yeah, and actually this year I also looked at the new rankings and these numbers, they almost doubled. We now know of 190 cotton courses taught globally. Well, whatever you're doing, it's working. I know. And what's more important is like you can actually measure it. It's like, you know, the rest of us have been spending 15, 20 years trying to figure out how we can measure the impact of our work. Um, and here you are actually seeing double results. Well done. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. And, and uh, the cool thing is that a quarter of the top 100 universities in that ranking is already using Cotton. So it includes Stanford, Cambridge, Imperial College London, University of Chicago, and many other great schools. They are already adopting Cotton. Yeah, Imperial College London brings back good memories for me. Uh, I remember going there many years ago to, uh, I think it was Robert, right? Robert, yeah. I believe I was speaking to. Uh, and uh, it's interesting fact that maybe people m might not know that the first language that they teach at Imperial College London is no other than, than yeah. Haskell. <laughs> Haskell. But it's now together with Kotlin. The course is actually combining both languages, Haskell and Kotlin. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, because back then it was, they was first teaching Haskell and then they were teaching Java the second year. It's like, look what it could be. Now let's look what the industry is. And um, so, so now you're saying that they're doing Haskell and Kotlin. Yeah, in the introductory nice. programming course. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I, I guess that that really really shows that uh, that Kotlin has something to offer. If if even like the the folks who are who are set on introducing people with Haskell uh, choose to add it to their syllabus, so but kind of let's let's maybe take one step back. It's awesome to see that there's already all these places um, adopting Kotlin. But what is the main motivation um, for you and for the team uh, to bring Kotlin? into more uh, into more education places? We think that it is a great language for education and it's been adopted by the industry a lot. We see cotton job demand growing and this demand in turn shapes the curricula of the universities. So that's a place for cotton to be. And um, I've actually come across uh, professors who look at the languages that local employers use for their job interviews and they actually try to integrate these into their curriculum. So we know that Kotlin is already academically recognized. We know of the top schools that are teaching the language and now we know of course that Kotlin is adopted in the industry and this is something that influences the prospective careers of the students. So, and students are motivated to learn something that they'll use later and actually apply it. And I see that cotton is used a lot uh, where there is this direct collaboration between industry and academia, for example, for capstone projects where students build software in Kotlin, 
for their local or even global businesses. And that's their final project. And that's so true because there's nothing more demotivating than studying something that you know you're never going to use, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm still wishing that day will come that I get to use Prolog and, and Ada and all of those other awesome languages that I learned at university that never get to use in the real world. Right, yeah. So students uh, from the surveys that I um, had of the educators that taught the students, the students were really motivated about learning Kotlin. So can you maybe explain a little bit about where that motivation comes from as well? Is it because students were, were exposed to the language beforehand somehow and they, they petitioned their uh, their educators and, and professors to, to teach this language to them more? Um, or, or was it more of a situation of they, they felt more productive or just liked the experience? Yeah, and this also connects to the general factors. I looked at, at some research uh, about why educators choose certain programming languages to teach. And so the, the one factor is adoption in the industry, academic recognition, then uh, the ease to convey fundamental programming concepts in a language. And Kotlin is considered to be such a language. And then also educators can explain different programming paradigms in Kotlin. So they can teach object-oriented, functional, procedural, imperative programming with Kotlin. And students don't need to focus on learning different syntax. They can focus on learning the concepts. And that's also a factor that contributes to it. Um, then Java interop. Kotlin is interoperable with Java, which means that the wealth of Java libraries can be used can still be used in the courses and educators often who are willing to uh, transform their courses from Java to Kotlin, they uh, find that their code shrinks twice. And then uh, since there is less code, it's more expressive, more things can be done with less code and it's less prone to error. Less mistakes are made by the newbies, for example. And then, um, uh, we also have this Java to Kotlin converter tool that allows educators to uh, to translate their code from Java to Kotlin quickly. And um, the expressiveness and conciseness of the code are probably the favorite features of Kotlin educators and safety, which is also important for the newbies. And then the tooling that JetBrains provides for the language uh, we provide free educational licenses to all, all of our development tools and uh, educators and students can, uh, can use IntelliJ IDEA for Kotlin and that's the tool they're going to use later in their profession and they can use it for free. Uh, we have educational tools plugin that allows educators uh, create the courses and students solve these assignments right inside the IDE, which is also pretty cool. And um, what else? I know that we have recently launched this Code With Me initiative, a really neat tool for remote learning, I think. When a, an educator can do collaborative programming with their students right inside an IDE project together. And um, yeah, I think that's a great perk of the language that comes from JetBrains. Yeah, I think we, we need to put the little, uh, the, this segment was brought to you by JetBrains. <laughs> uh, it really seems like, I mean, while we're already at the at the topic of, of advertising, uh, let me actually take this opportunity to uh, advertise something here myself. 
um, a, a bunch of these points that, that Xenia actually just made. Um, we also covered in a bit more depth and also with a bunch of code samples and stuff in our webinar, uh, Kotlin for Education, uh, which I hosted together with Xenia uh, a while ago and which you can find on our YouTube channel. So if you are watching us, um, you can you can find that probably in the recommended or, or the, the description. And if you're anywhere else, you can go to youtube.com slash Kotlin um, and find that there. Have you found that educators actually take a liking to Kotlin because they feel at some point that it's a little bit simpler of a language to to teach concepts as opposed to just teaching a programming language. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you know, if you're using Kotlin as a first language to teach the concept of programming, do they see this as a good fit? Um, I would say that they've just launched these courses this year and um, I haven't, I haven't actually received the feedback. They are looking at how it goes, but in general, those who have, there are several educators who have already taught Kotlin as an introductory language, and they feel that that's the right fit for being the introductory language, the first language, for example, that combines type safety and uh, the expressiveness of the other languages. When you approach uh, educators, uh, how like how much convincing would you say it takes to to get someone to actually uh, at least evaluate Kotlin for their courses? Because I can actually so so I can I can tell a small story from from my side before before you answer this question. So when when I was at the the Technical University of Munich, um, I I was constantly pestering uh, one of my professors uh, whether uh, we could maybe move one of their courses uh, from Java to Kotlin. And now you're just pestering me. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> True. Always. Um, I love you, Seb. Yeah. It, li likewise. <laughs> that was convincing. <laughs> you you have you have completely derailed my train of thought. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was regularly pestering uh, one of my uh, professors whether we could move one of the software engineering courses we had um, patterns in software engineering to Kotlin because uh, I felt it would be a good fit. Um, and at some point. Uh, the the professor said like okay uh, we've we've like looked at the technology and it seems really great and we want to move it and I mean of course the best part was I mean he didn't have to move it he had like PhD students for him to move it right so I'm I'm just I'm just wondering how much how much involvement uh, is is usually required uh, and how much convincing is usually required to to get a you know these these busy educators uh, on board with Kotlin. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the course you're talking about, I know about the course, and they actually did switch it to Kotlin at some point. And then, unfortunately, during the pandemic times, they had to cut Kotlin out of the course. But hopefully they'll restart when things get back to normal. As for convincing, there are some different pathways for the language to appear in the course. Some educators look at it. Of course, there is a natural way for Android application development courses to adopt Kotlin, but still there, not all of these educators have adopted Kotlin. I still see people using Java for Android development in their courses, and this is one of the target audiences. And somehow, sometimes it happens, like you mentioned, Seb, there are PhD students or teaching assistants who uh, already know the language, they've come across Kotlin somewhere in their lives or profession, and then uh, that's where they try 
to convince the professors who've been teaching, for example, a Java class for uh, 10 years to, to add this. And this is one of the ways Kaplan um, gets into the curriculum too. The educators that I talk to are at different points of their decision-making funnel. And it's usually a very long funnel, about a year from their intention to actually implementing to, to launching the course, because it involves uh, sometimes, it's actually a decision of an educator, a personal decision of an educator, usually that's the main factor, but then uh, they still have to integrate it into the entire curriculum of uh, the discipline. Sometimes some really, um, interesting factors also are considered. For example, I've talked to educators who are looking at the ability of uh, the language to support gender diversity in STEM disciplines. And uh, there are some studies that show that some languages attract and retain women into computer science subjects better than others. And for us in Kotlin, we're now involved in, with an initiative of Amrita University who are motivating schoolgirls to pursue their education and career in programming. What are your primary challenges when you go to folks and say, you know, I want, are you interested in adopting Kotlin or, or what are your experiences with, well, Experiences of Kotlin, I guess you don't have a lot of challenges, right? You know, they'll just tell you. But as part of your job to increase adoption in the educational sphere, what are your main challenges? Well, uh, the main challenge is to actually get the educator interested and um, to actually get their response. Because some of the times I just send cold emails to the educators that I found on a website of the universities, and I think that their course, that Kotlin might be a good fit for their course. So, and sometimes it takes months for an educator to reply. And that's uh, the first challenge I encounter. And then if there is this initial interest, it goes much smoother. And um, uh, there are the factors that and the questions that they ask about, like I mentioned, the adoption of the language uh, for women, for example, or some some information that we just don't possess. And that's something that I have to look up further. And we have to think for the future, uh, what how to provide this information for them to make this decision. Some of the educators at the beginning of uh, my communication with them, I felt that they did not consider Kotlin a language mature enough for the academic industry. And of course, by then, it was about five years after the public release or something. So they, they were afraid to introduce something that might disappear in five years. And that's something that I have to convince that Kotlin is there to stay, it's not going any, anywhere, it's adopted, it's backed by large companies. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you say that kind of establishing first contact, right, with uh, with the alien life forms, no, with, uh, with educators uh, is, oh my God, it's a Yoda. <laughs> oh. Um, you said alien life form. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, you you had that one ready to go. Uh, I, I I think this is uh, actually something that that I can very much corroborate because when yeah when I was trying to get folks to to adopt uh, Kotlin at my university, at some point I literally camped uh, outside some of the lecture halls, um, and and tried to give my pitch of the language to the professor from the time um, he walked from the lecture hall to his office because I knew that the moment he entered his office I would have to go through his secretary uh, and his secretary whenever I, I asked uh, her she would say like yeah like come back in four weeks because he's booked out for the next three months so educators are like really busy so I'm I'm not doubting it at all uh, that uh, that you have to wait multiple months to get like email responses from them Yeah. wow you really were like uh, I mean, you must have been really loved at that university. I, I mean, you know, you, you do what you got to do. Yeah, that, that, that was sarcasm for the record. But anyway, um, Xenia, I have another question for you. I mean, you talk about emails and how it's been kind of difficult to get responses, right? Uh, but you've also kind of been involved in in another activity which is uh, related, which is ICPC, yes. And uh, ICPC, for folks that don't know, can you give a quick brief summary of what ICPC is? Uh, sure, yeah. So uh, just going back a few steps, uh, emails aren't the only form of contact I have <laughs> with the educators. And um, there are actually different sources of how educators find out about Kotlin and how they reach out. And, uh, initially, of course, I was hoping for some educational conferences where I could meet them in person. But since I started at the end of 2019, that wasn't possible. But as for the ICPC, we managed actually, Sebastian and I, we managed to visit one offline event uh, that the ICPC held uh, in 2019. where mm -hmm, The last one. So the ICPC is uh, a programming Olympics, so-called. It's the International Collegiate Programming Contest that unites, I think it's over 9,000 universities, and they hold events globally, hundreds of the events each year for uh, the students, the ones who want to compete in uh, programming. And uh, so usually these are the top computer science students, the top programmers of the world who compete there. And JetBrains is the global tooling sponsor for this, uh, for the ICPC. And uh, we provide tooling support there. And Kotlin is one of the official ICPC languages. It's used in the finals of uh, this contest too by the top programmers of the world. And um, that's another source of where we get the perspective and existing cotton educators from. They are actually introducing us to the educators that are in the ICPC community. And they're usually computer science uh, professors. Yeah, and this is the reason I was asking, right? Because precisely for that uh, fact that when you joined, it was right before the pandemic and you did have you know, always meeting professors in person, especially at ICPC, it, it's always easier, right, to to engage in a conversation. And just like Seb says, you know, before they run away, you capture them and you're like, oh, let me, let me just, let me sell you Kotlin. Uh, so, you know, now it's got to be a little bit more difficult. 
uh, as you said, right? Like additional challenges. So uh, I think uh, kudos to you for having doubled even the number despite the despite the challenges. Thanks, and uh, actually, it's also thanks to the great efforts that Google is uh, doing in terms Who? of Google. In terms, Google. Of <laughs> never heard of them. Never heard of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that something that we'll need Is to... Is that something related to Android? <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, oh, you can use Kotlin for Android? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Seb, did you know that? Oh, really? I oh, thought really? it was like a server-side and, and mostly JavaScript targeting language. <laughs> but that's actually a factor that universities look at. It's... it's It is the language of Android and it is a multi-platform language and there are Kotlin based software development courses where Kotlin is used to teach cross-platform mobile development, web server-side development too. But for Android, Google is doing some tremendous work. For example, during the last year, they conducted train-the-trainer sessions in India where they educated uh, people from 35 Indian universities in Android and Kotlin. And now all of these universities are going to adopt it in their curriculum. So that's how it grows. And uh, speaking about the uh, difficulties of the pandemic and the conferences that I was hoping for, once we had a very uh, interesting conference with our country manager for Japan, Masaru, and it was organized by ICPC with Japanese universities, Japanese coaches of the teams and the teams. And we participated in the virtual conferences um, in the shape represented by <laughs> pixelated avatars of Nintendo characters, uh, Super Mario and the Princess. And we had this cartoonish booth, JetBrains booth next to Google and IBM cartoonish booths where uh, we were talking to educators there, actually. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, I, I guess those those are the the only ways we can we can try to emulate. I mean, what's next? Like virtual reality, maybe. Um, I'm I'm actually quite uh quite excited that that we are uh like continuing our our um collaboration with ICPC because they also kind of go way back with uh with JetBrains, right? I I think Roman Yelizarov, uh, who's who's now language lead, right? He was also a uh, or I'm not sure if he still is, but he was a, a chief judge uh, for ICPC as well, right? And I think some of the other uh, folks at, at JetBrains, you can find a lot of programming Olympiad people um, right. with our with our teams as well. Right, and we also have our own Kotlin-only coding contest. It's not only for the masterminds or not only for the students, but anyone can take part in our Kotlin Heroes contest. And uh, that's a great way to learn the language, to learn the powerful features of the language by solving uh, interesting tasks that are actually designed to, to fit anyone of any programming language. And the complexity is increasing there, but everyone who participates has a chance uh, to win some prizes even. And if someone is looking for a way to get some Kotlin swag, that's uh, a cool way to do so. All right. So if you're enjoying uh, some puzzle solving and uh, also want to hone your Kotlin skills a little bit more, I guess this is the place to go, huh? 
So uh, I think we're out of time for this episode, but before we wrap up, so we've already heard of Kotlin Heroes now. Um, are there any other places that you want to shout out? Maybe if someone is interested to learn more about uh, how uh, Kotlin is used in education, uh, but also maybe if someone is an educator and after this very convincing argument that we've had here, uh, they they are now thinking about adopting Kotlin. Where do, where do they go? Uh, yeah, please check out our page that's, accumulation of all the resources for educators. It's kotlinlang.org slash education. There you'll find links to, for example, an interactive map with the links to the websites of the universities that already teach Kotlin. And some of these uh, links lead to a very detailed description of the courses, sometimes even the slides, video lectures. And that's something that you can use for reference if you're thinking of launching your own cotton course. And we have a, an, a Slack channel for educators on our Kotlin Lang Slack workspace, where there are about 270 participants right now. Please join this group. Uh, educators exchange their experiences, ask their questions, and we're there to share our news and help you with uh the questions on your journey of teaching Kotlin or thinking about introducing it in your uh institutions um and also on this youtube channel we hold monthly webinars for educators and by educators and the one uh, the, the latest one was by sebastian this all-encompassing webinar about how to teach Kotlin, how to start uh, a great overview of everything uh, Kotlin in academia related. And any webinar is a, a, a SEP webinar. It's not even a webinar anymore. It's a seminar. Yeah. It's a, it's a real show. It's, you know, it's, that is, that is high class entertainment right there. And you also get to learn something. Seminar. You are learning. You will. Do I do a good Yoda voice? No, never mind. You gotta go like more raspy. <sighs> I oh, feel like yeah, it's a, now I sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> I, I apologize for whoever had to listen to that on in their like their car stereo, and now the the person next to them is looking really weird at them. Xenia, thank you for coming to the show. You're a great company, Hadi Sebastian. That that was fun. And for everyone else, thank you for tuning in, listening. And guess what? I do not have a bell, but I've got some keys. Well, that I think that's a great stand-in. What does that stand for, though, Hadi? That I think it's hits, all about? It means hit the subscribe button, hit the like, get the notification the bell, jingle the keys, get the notification bell, leave a comment. I know that Seb is, I'm not saying this for me, I mean it, but Seb is constantly refreshing that screen to see if he gets any new comments on the YouTube episodes. So please engage with Seb and leave some comments for him. Tell tell him that you love it, but also tell him that there is no talking Kotlin without... Hardy? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are you... No, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> anyway, don't mind. Everyone, bye everyone. Take care everyone. See you in the next one. Bye-bye.